Y'all are in for a treat today. Guess who I'm going to be chatting with? Dewanda Smith or the Zeddy Whisperer. Hey, Dewanda. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. When you first came to the house and you met Zeddy, what did you think? Well, I remember it. I can close my eyes and see it now. You took me upstairs. Zeddy was lying down on the ottoman, just, you know, just the Queen Sheba. <laughs> And when she saw me, uh, you started to introduce, and she had that the biggest smile on her face, as she always does. And she, you know, just very, she reminded me, I kept thinking, oh, uh, Southern Belle. Hi, how are you? You know, she was just delighted to see me like she knew me all of her life. And um, right away, it just something clicked. I already knew then, you know, we were on our way. Parenting Up, Caregiving Adventures with Comedian Jay Smiles is the intense journey of unexpectedly being fully responsible for the well-being of my mama. For almost a decade, I've been chipping away at the unknown, advocating for her, and pushing Alzheimer's awareness on anyone and anything with a heartbeat. Spoiler alert, I started comedy because this stuff is so heavy. Be ready for the jokes. Caregiver newbies, OGs, village members trying to just prop up a caregiver, you are in the right place. Hi, this is Zeddy. I hope you enjoy my daughter's podcast. Is that okay? Today's episode, The Zeddy Whisperer. I want to ask you about what the interview was like or what did the uh, owners of the of Homestead, Homestead Agency tell you about my mother's case? I'll let you know, I, almost, I was just about uh, ready to um, change agencies or whatever and decide to go with someone else at the time. The owner of the agency came to me and said that she needed someone to be a caregiver and she, she, she just said the Smith. She just used her last name. And she needed the person to be, um, she used the word smart, sophisticated, <laughs> and someone who, she said, these, the people that I was going to be, um, going to do the interview with, um, were very well bred people. They had, um, all these degrees and so on and so forth. And she was just so hyper about it. And she says, you're the only one that I have right now that fit that deal. I am thinking to myself, oh, my God, I can't go over there. But I, I, don't, <laughs> I may not fit in. <laughs> so, but she said, you're the only one I have. That's amazing that that is the way she described us because I did not tell her any of that. I didn't use any of that language. So that that is um, that it's comical to me that that was her takeaway. But I tell you what, whatever made her decide that you were a great fit for us, I will accept it with open arms because she was right. Everything that you did um, when you were with mom was fantastic. Yeah, some, you know, sometimes you know when the person, and she has such a, it's just a warm feeling, period. And everything in my, my body changed as far as me thinking, oh, I'm not going to be able to fit in. I thought right away, oh, yeah, I'm going to be able to fit in. Yay. I remember that when you started, your goal was to work eight to ten hours per week. Oh, yeah. 
So what that, really what really happened, Dewanda? <laughs> that was definitely my goal because as I'm not sure if we talked about, I think I did talk about it to you because I have uh, retired, left California, came to Atlanta, blah, blah, so on and so forth. And I was going to work a part-time job. This was going to be part-time. And I was going to work maybe even just two days a week, you know, eight to 10 hours at the most. And I figure, okay, that, that this will work real good, two days a week, eight to 10 hours. And then the rest of the time would be, you know, my free time or whatever. You met me and you met Zeddy. So that was right after we left Los Angeles and Cedar Sinai. My mom was coming home and she was recovering from the brain surgery. So you were the first, very first caregiver I hired and you were a part of the intricate member of the team that helped Zeddy recover from the brain surgery. So so you get here and then you you start with us and you definitely work way more than eight to ten hours. I think oh, yeah. but what <laughs> why did why did you agree to do that, Dewanda? Well, it, it's, uh, it's a long story short now. I agreed to do it, first of all, because when I, I it kind of started with caregivers for both of for you and Dick, because I just felt so bad. She really was the only one there. So yes. I knew, and I knew how particular you were about who would be there for Zeddy. You had a lot, lot, lot going on, a lot of stuff to do. And it just felt like I needed to be there to get you and Zeddy to another place. So it just turned out that two days weren't going to be enough. Then it turned into three days weren't going to be enough. And then some days I had to work at nighttime too. And then four days weren't going to be enough. So it it just, I, it turned into I wanted to do it because I felt like I was helping you as well as, and definitely helping Zeddy. And I became very attached to her and wanting to do the best for her and wanting her to to just feel like she has some independence as well. Right. To me, that speaks to your your style of care, which is why I call you the Zeddy Whisperer. You could get my mother to do stuff that I couldn't get her to do, which was amazing because I'm JG. And you're <laughs> under yeah. most circumstances, yeah. whatever I want is what she will do. But uh, very early on, you're right. The the connection was very was obvious between the two of you. Within your first few shifts, I feel like I was leaving to go to Las Vegas to open uh, the business score. You ended up working like three weeks in a row or something. Well, I remember that very well. Everything was kind of new still. I didn't know everything about it. And I didn't know very much about Alzheimer's. You know, I I had relatives that had it, but I didn't know very much about it close up and personally and actually having to take care of someone with it for um, any length of time by myself. So it did turn out you did have to go to Vegas. I was in the house with Betty by myself, and we'd have somebody drop by once in a while, you know, to make sure we were doing okay. Right. But uh, pretty much that was it. And let me tell you, me and Betty... <laughs> We we did have our time. <laughs> it was a trial and it was trial and error. When I was referencing the three weeks, I don't think you worked three weeks consistently, but you came in three weeks straight. Maybe you had the day shift. Then I think Cheryl came from California and did the night oh, shift, yes. and then maybe you did three twenty-four hour shifts, and then Cheryl came again. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and it, that 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 part is true. Yes, right. but I remember. Um, I remember back when a couple of times you would tell me that you came in, Zeddy was sitting on the floor and you didn't know how she got down there. Yes. Um, more than 
a couple of times, I'd walk in the room and there Betty was on the floor and trying to get her up at the time so that we could even get to a point where I could get her up to sit down in a chair so that we could move from the chair and maybe I could stand her up. She didn't understand what I was asking her to do. I didn't understand how to get her to do what I needed her to do. It took a, it, it, occasionally we would finally work it out. After about five or six minutes, I'd come up with something in my head. Because I would ask her, I walked in one morning and she was just lying on the floor and I said, Betty, what happened? And she just, she just, she just laid, she just laid there. She, she said, oh, I just got down here. So then I figured it out. She was actually just sitting on the floor. She wasn't falling. She was sitting on the floor when I walked in the room. <laughs> she sat on the floor on purpose. Tell me, on purpose. how was it that you didn't totally freak out and panic? Well, believe me, I thought about it because for a second. By panic, both of us could not be on the floor. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's already on the floor. She depended on me to try and help her get from the floor to somewhere else other than the floor. So. I knew I couldn't go into panic mode. I had to think. And that's a lot of part of actually being a caregiver in the situation where there is some mental capacity loss. You have to be the one to come up with, um, you have to come up with some kind of an idea of how to get out of a situation that you never, ever thought that you would be in. How do you do that? So you said you like, you know, you had you had not had a lot of uh, firsthand one on one experience being a caregiver for somebody with Alzheimer's. You know, you're thrust into the situation with with Zaddy. You don't panic and you come up with a solution. How do you think through stuff to find a solution? I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. For me, I had to I, ha- I have to actually sit down and concentrate about it. I have to think about, OK, walk myself through it. Okay, this is Betty. She's on the floor. She's not understanding what I'm saying at the moment. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to step back a little bit, start and try and say it in a different way. You know, if I can't even begin to tell you the number of things that I have to say to get her from the floor. I know that I can't speak very fast. And I know that I'm repetitious with the speaking. She's not going to understand me at that point. So we're going to have to wait a few seconds or a few minutes, or maybe half an hour, whatever it takes. And sometimes within 20 minutes or maybe a little longer, I'll come back to the same thing and ask her to do exactly what I'd asked her before, and we up. <laughs> it, was the, <laughs> it was the most amazing thing. And then sometimes it happens. I don't care how many times I've said it or how, much, how many times i waited or longer i waited, it didn't happen. We had to lay down. I recall the time we had to lay on the floor, put a pillow under her head, and a cover over. And we just laid there for the longest, longest, longest time. And I think I remember you came home, and then we moved from that point on. You were able to help me get her in the bed. But you got to have some patience, and you got to have a little bit of uh, loving in the heart, too, because you know this is a situation where you can't get panicky. And if, if the person is not ill, and I knew if this Time she wasn't ill. It was just something that we had to get through. Right, like she, you were saying that she wasn't, she didn't have something going on other than the Alzheimer's. Like she wasn't, right, something. Right. right, I'm sorry. Yeah, she wasn't physically ill. Like she was on the floor, and I needed to be calling nine one one. It wasn't that. It was a very easy, just lying on the floor, and this is where I want to be right now. 
Right. It's, for some reason. And the thing is, with Zeddy, we don't ever know. There's no way to know why she chooses to do certain things. No. You just have to kind of flow with it. But that level of patience made all the difference in the world. And you staying calm and then her not getting agitated. Because I also remember you telling me that you figured out if whenever you're calm, she stays calm. Yeah, because if you get agitated and she becomes agitated, you can control yourself. But once she gets agitated, it's already at another level. And then you got to try and get her back down so that you can come up to that point and then try and get her over the hump. So I just chose never to do that. I always just take my voice all the way back and just go into a different tone, a very quiet, smooth tone, and just talk to her. Even though I, you know, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But I just have to keep trying different things on that level just to get her into a phase where she might understand me. And she did, eventually. Right, right. That's right. Eventually she did. With Alzheimer's, I have found that eventually is the best you can do. If you ever get them there, then count your lucky stars and move forward. And the last thing you want to do is to... um agitate them or to speak in a very loud voice because that's 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 just like screaming at a deaf person they don't hear you that is a very good point like screaming at a deaf person so i want to back up a little bit dewanda and i want you to share with us how you came to be a caregiver at all i remember you telling me that you initially the first time you cared for a person on an ongoing basis was your brother yeah, well, with my brother, it was so it was completely different. It was um, I was a caregiver, but I didn't know I was that formal name as a caregiver. I just knew that my brother got sick, and it was a physical illness. This this happened to be a lung cancer situation, and I was the one that was there, and the one who pretty much was the only one. So I knew I had to take care of him. We were very close, and I was working a full time job, so it was difficult. I just did the same thing. I knew that I had to be there for him, take him to his doctor's appointments, try and find out what, you know, what we needed to do to try and get him at least comfortable. Okay. To a point where, where um, as much as we could do for a person that had stayed for a long time. It was a long process. It took over a year. And actually, the doctors had said he wouldn't last more than three months, but it actually turned out to be a year, and it was a full year of me taking care of him, not realizing that I was actually a caregiver, or that's what it was called. And I did actually find out about caregivers after I had been involved in it for a while and was able to get a caregiver in because I was working as well, a regular job. Okay. You didn't realize you were being a caregiver, and then you... You did hire someone to help you out while you were going to your day job, so to speak. Right. Okay. That's when I realized that they did actually have people that were caregivers that would actually do this type of work and what it entailed. I became a real caregiver. It was a funny thing. I hadn't intended. I was retired from the, from the job that I was working at. I was getting bored. So a friend of mine suggested that since I'm always taking care of somebody anyway, <laughs> 
and it was always in my family mostly or a close friend. Okay. That, you know, and the way he said it was, it was, oh, Dewanda, uh, you still like taking care of people. I know my friend works as, as an administrator at, uh, I think it was the agency at home, they said at the time, would you like to just drive old people around? I said, oh, yeah, that sounds like something. Uh, you know, pick up their prescriptions, take them out to dinner, whatever it is that they need. I said, that sounds like fun. I'm, I think I'd like to do that. You were really uber for the old people and didn't know yes, it. Yes, <laughs> that was I was uber for I was going to be that was what I thought I was going to do. Okay. I was going to be Ubering for the old people. Well once I got the job and I started working, it didn't turn out that way. I never drove anybody just party for fun. I oh my goodness. <laughs> not I'm thinking, okay, when is the fun time that I'm gonna be driving? I drove them when I needed to, but I actually became a caregiver because the agency decided after people requested that I come back if I, you know, if I went to a job and I was there for a week or so, then they'd ask if I could come back. I just started to be a real uh, caregiver on a consistent basis. They started calling me when people had come from the hospital, had had surgery, and maybe they couldn't walk or get around for six or eight weeks and they needed somebody to, you know, to be a caregiver for that particular time. So it just uh, evolved from that, from never actually riding uh, Ubering <laughs> anybody around. <laughs> well, that was, who, whatever that, the, whatever, whoever your friend was that suggested that you go and think about driving old people around, I need to send them a bottle of champagne or a bottle of, or a box of chocolates because they definitely made my life much, be- much better. So, so you slid into caregiving, but you stayed with it. So obviously you liked it. What, what did you like about it? Can you do? You, are you do you know what it was? You thought you were going to be driving old people around, and all of a sudden you're actually in their homes providing substantial professional caregiving services. What was it that you liked? What I really found out that I liked about it was I, it was just some empathy and compassion that I had working with them, and I wanted to do the work. Okay, I wanted to help help them so that they could stay in their own homes and be there for them when they needed someone. I remember you speaking of a, a longtime client you had. His name was George. And you said that you would like stay like several days in a row, like work three or four days and then be off three or four days. How did you come to uh, have that position? Uh, that position, um, pretty much the same way, it was an assignment. And started out where George was uh, in this very large house near, um, out in near the beach area. His daughter didn't want to put him into any facility and he didn't want to go to a facility. They had changed and put all his actual living environment was downstairs on the first floor. I had, I interviewed for the job with his daughter because she apparently didn't like the service that she was getting prior to that. So she interviewed me and I got hired myself and another caregiver. George had what they call Lewy body dementia. So he had dementia, but he also had some physical problems with his um, limbs, which means that he would be having problems walking and may eventually not be able to walk at all. So he had a lot of, he would fall quite a bit and actually fall. Was that, was that so scary? Uh, um... That was scary with him, yes. Because he would actually fall and they had marble floors. And a couple of times I actually did have to rush him to the hospital, you know, that was just down the hill because he had put a gash in his head a couple of times. Oh, my and goodness. 
George was very interesting the entire time I worked for him. I worked four days on and then um, three days, you know, back and forth because his daughter lives in another state. So we had to be there in the house with him 24 hours a day. He couldn't be left alone and there was nobody else. So it was just me and George for at least four days straight, daytime and nighttime. He would get up in the middle of the night, run to the door, practically with nothing on, thinking he was going to work, trying to catch the train. Oh, goodness. He was just. So he was from Amsterdam. And he lived most of his life in travel. He was always in briefcase. I don't know. It never had anything in it, really. But he was always at 4 o'clock in the morning heading for the door and trying to open it. How would you get him back in the house or to calm him down? What did, can you remember well, anything that you had, did? We had the locks moved first up so he couldn't reach him. He wasn't very tall, thank goodness. And so he could, because he would, I think he would let, he would try to get out the door. I would always wake up in time to catch him uh, running out and be able to, to grab him and get him back into to the to bed, most of the time having to stay up with him for the rest of the night till about six in the morning. Until he went back to sleep? Yeah. I love the fact that the solution was just move the lock. Sometimes what I have learned in being a caregiver, DeWanda, is sometimes <laughs> the solution is real simple. Don't make it complicated. If he's trying to leave the house, just make it where he can't open the door. <laughs> just, That's you know, right. rather than trying to convince him to stay in the house or trying to reason with him because a person with dementia no longer has the ability to reason or comprehend what is logical to those of us whose brain is healthy. But if you just make it where the door doesn't open, then voila, you know, you, you have kind of solved the problem without having to upset the client or the patient that much more. So that's cool. That's totally awesome. So now I'm going to switch back to when you were first starting to work with my mom and you were so good with her, DeWanda, that I was able to take my mom on vacation because of you. Well, first of all, your willingness to go, but I was able to take her on vacation because of you. I wouldn't have been able to travel. A couple of times, we went down to the Bahamas. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that, that was a great part of the job. <laughs> See, it was her vacation, but, you know, how bad can it be if you, even with you being a caregiver, sitting up in the Bahamas or Jamaica? That's <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. We went to Jamaica, too. Right. Yeah. For my um, for my God kids, they had a... Uh, it was their spring break, and yeah. my line sister, Kristen Finney, uh, Cook, and her family, uh, her mom was still with us at that time. We oh, That's right. We did go down there. We, yeah. look, the point yeah, is, if I, if I took Zeddy, then I also took Dewanda. That was, I think everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because otherwise, I don't know how to, I don't, um, I recognize pretty early on that my anxiety level is so high when we're outside of the house because I can't control the other people or the environment. And having you around, it's like my blanket with Linus and Peanuts. Linus has the blanket that makes him more comfortable. You were my blanket, Dewanda. <laughs> I, I felt more comfortable if you were around. Well, I don't know. I always told people when I went on vacation and we went together, I always said, well, we are a team. When we go together, we have to be a team. If it's something that uh, Renee needs to do and then I... If she kind of relies on me to do something, get something else, and then we have to kind of tag team when it comes to ready. That's true. That's true. <laughs> to make sure, because you're right, if you can't control the environment around you like you do when you're at home, anything could happen. 
and any changes could happen. And, and people are not always understanding or even try to be understanding. But it worked out. Yeah, I remember a couple of times talking about people not being too understanding. I remember a couple of times where we took mom to the movies. Me and you and Zeddy went to the movies. She would have, you know, to go to the bathroom. And so, she, you know, maybe she had diarrhea or something where there was a large amount of BM. Right. And you were fantastic. You always had the what I call the little Zeddy bag with all your supplies and a change of underwear and wipes and little bitty trash bags so that we can throw it away. But I can remember you coming out of the bathroom sometimes very frustrated and irritated because maybe someone in there was commenting about the smell or, or saying like, oh, my God, who is in here when somebody must be dying and you would get so upset about it because while my mom didn't she may not have recognized it was her their tone they were so loud and their words were so aggressive that it would startle her and agitate her a little bit and I remember you coming out looking like you you know you wanted to just cuss somebody out you didn't because you had Zeddy with you but I could see in your face when you had really faced or witnessed some stuff you didn't like because people are not um understanding and and you would to me you would have to know that if there is a situation where someone's in the bathroom that long there is a problem they're ill or something's going on uh just a little bit of patience and you don't need to make the comment right i can remember people like we you might have her in the bathroom even at the doctor's office or something sometimes when we would be just trying to get a, a urine sample, goodness gracious, getting the urine samples like an act of Congress out of Zeddy sometimes, and they'd be knocking on the door saying that they needed to use it. And I could hear in your voice, and you would say, we're not done. And then I would try to come in and say, hey, so you all probably wanted to find another bathroom? <laughs> this one, yeah. This one's not good. This might be a little while. This might be a little while. <laughs> you always remain so freaking calm. I decided that it was because you were from California. I started telling all my friends, I was like, listen, I don't know what it is. I think some of that L.A. and that calmness just has permeated DeWanda's blood and veins and, and, and everything, and she just stays even-tempered. Is there something that you would tell a family member, right? Somebody like me who is, you know, a caregiver, but they've never been trained medically and never worked, uh, you know, with an agency, never worked in the medical field. Are there suggestions that you could make for them? Because obviously the emotional attachment is different. If it's your mom or your or your husband or your brother or your sister, there's another level of uh, background and relationship and expectation. What, if anything, could you share with, that might help family members when they are all of a sudden having to uh, provide care? Well, actually, you've kind of done all these things you found you you kind of tapped into your head and realized it but I actually do have a friend that's going through it and I'm actually trying to get her first trying to get her to understand that she has to take care of herself first because once she has worn herself down then her mom can't depend on her and that's emotionally and physically and then the second thing I tried to uh, that I'm finally getting through to her is that she can't do everything on her own. You don't have to be the superhero and do everything by yourself. There's actually other information out there if you need to, and there's other ways and people that can help you so that you can kind of get through it so that you know what the next step is without having to remove your parent or your loved one from your home. So it's a lot of little steps. Patience, of course, all of that's in there. 
don't get so upset when they roll in the toilet paper up that you've got to snatch it out their hand instead of doing it and you told them not to do it. Right. All of that. I mean, yeah, we just, these are conversations we, we on the, we're on the phone hours talking about. Right. You you could be a, you could probably be a caregiver consultant. I don't I know you retired, but you might want to think about it <laughs> because you, it sounds like you could give a lot of advice. People could call you could be a 1-800 hotline call Dewanda. <laughs> what would Dewanda do? <laughs> that believe it or not that's a tiny thing the toilet paper but believe, I can tell you now my friend was she called me one night, talked for a half an hour. She was so grateful that I had given her that information. She never listened to me when I told her before about it. Just, no, that's just, she just wasted, just wasted, just going through so many tasks. It's just toilet paper. It's toilet paper. That's right. <laughs> when it boils down to it, it's just toilet paper. It's that's just right. toilet paper. Finally, when she realized that it wasn't the worst thing in the world and that it was just something that um, she, that her mom needed to do, and it, and I told her, I said, if you want to keep it, just let her, she puts it in a bucket. She does it differently than that. I said, just take it from the bucket and, and you can still use it because it's not dirty. There's nothing wrong with it. She just, it's just something that she has to do. And I don't know if it's like she calls it work or whatever she calls it, like Betty calls it work. That, but it's something that she seems to want to do. And it's not, it's not a first person that does it. I've read about it. Right. A lot of people that have Alzheimer's, you you know, do that with the toilet paper, roll it off or tear it off or do whatever. Today's Snuggle Up, patience. Patience is a virtue. Take a step back, take a deep breath, go have a drink of water, walk out of a room. Yelling, screaming, repeating the same words to a person with Alzheimer's is like screaming Mandarin at me. Y'all, I don't speak Mandarin. Another Snuggle Up, stay nimble. Do not be rigid in your patterns or your plans for an event or for the day. Another snuggle up is just toilet paper. Listen, people, whatever your loved one with Alzheimer's is doing, if it's not going to kill them or make you homeless, let it be. That's it for now. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe for continuous caregiving tips, tricks, trends, and truth. Pretty, pretty, please, with sugar on top. Share and review it, too. I'm a comedian. Alzheimer's is heavy, but we ain't got to be. 